Today we are going to be talking about something that's quite unique because I guess we all know the consensus mechanism for proof of work, which is Bitcoin, Litecoin, Dogecoin. We all know about the consensus mechanism for proof of stake, which is Ethereum now, Solana, Cardano. But now we have proof of time. What in the world is proof of time? Well, that's something that Analog One is trying to do. It's a new layer zero blockchain. But to tell us more about it is Will. How are you, Will? Hey, Simon. Doing great. Glad to be here. Analog One is a blockchain that tries to connect other blockchains together. Because uh, let's face it, we live in a world of multiple blockchains. The age of uh, blockchain maximalism is over, and there's all sorts of blockchains out there, super specialized. Some are faster, but not as secure. Others are specifically tailored to, let's say, trading and exchanges. And the problem with this is that Although blockchains are optimized for specific use cases, the problem is that sometimes you might build your DAP on one blockchain, but then you might need to communicate to another blockchain. So there's a lot of projects trying to, I guess, connect all of these chains together. And Analog One is one of those, and it does that through proof of time. Right, so Analog's specific thing is proof of time. So dig into that, mate. What is proof of time? How is it different to proof of stake, proof of... The other inter-blockchain communication protocols we've talked about, Layer Zero, Push, Axler, they all have their own different ways of passing one message from one blockchain to another. But how Unlock One does it is actually quite different. It doesn't really quite pass messages across. What it does is it creates a single blockchain that essentially holds different events from different blockchains. And what is an event? An event is pretty much something that has happened somewhere, let's say on Ethereum, at a specific time. And what Analog One does is it collects all of these events from all of these different blockchains. Uh, it ascertains that the time that it happened is correct, and it stores this on its own uh, blockchain. And so you as a developer, if you want to know what's happening in Ethereum or in Bitcoin or in Avalanche or any other blockchain, you don't have to go to these different places. You just need to come to Analog One and read the different events that happened at very specific times. And proof of time is very important because the order of events that happens in blockchains is really critical. You can think of this like your bank account statement. It, it's, it's important as to whether you got paid first or whether you sent your money to the plumber first because really you want to make sure that the balance is correct. So by storing an event and by storing the time on their uh, proof of time blockchain, it makes it super easy for developers to know pretty much what's happening everywhere and at what time and to have the order of events correct. Okay, so that's interesting. And so this really is for developers, Analog One, isn't it? It's not really something that retail need to understand or get into. So what is so incentivizing for developers to want to use this as opposed to other layer zero options out there? Well, that's the thing in that in order to get to the user, you have to get to the developer. In order to get to the developer, you've got to make it as easy as possible. Now, that's why all of these different projects are trying different ways to connect blockchains together. Uh, like layer zero, when it came out, it made things really cheap. It uses a relayer and an Oracle to make communicating really fast and cheap. And push is very similar. And Axler is also similar in some ways. 
Now, Unlock makes it super attractive because the key difference between Unlock and the other chains is that for the other chains, for me as a developer, if I want to know what's happening, or if I want to send a message from Ethereum to Solana, I actually have to go to Ethereum, uh, mess around there, put, put write a bit of smart contract code on Ethereum, and then go to Solana, write a bit of code there on Solana, and then connect them. And to be fair, uh, Layer 0 and Push have made it quite easy to do that. But the thing is, I still have to go to these different blockchains and do all of that. Now, what Analog has done, it's made it so that I don't even have to go to these blockchains. As long as the information is in Unlog and Unlog has collected it, I can just pretty much go there and read off of it. And that is so much easier than needing to go to different places and add extra code. All I have to do actually is build my DAP and read off of Analog. Yeah, wow. So the idea of making things easier obviously makes sense to everybody here, I think. So give us some example use cases. Why would we use this and how could it be used? It's not too much different from uh, layer zero and uh, the, the other communication protocols, because as long as you can communicate from blockchain to blockchain, then you can pretty much build whatever you want. So the application is the same and you can build cross chain DEXs, uh, yield farming to find the best yield across different chains, um, omni-chain fungible tokens, let's say, uh, usd coin that can move from chain to chain uh, without needing bridges so the key difference between uh this is that the applications are pretty much the same but then the ability to build it i think is much easier on unlock one than it is on the other chains so just to unpack them more i guess people understand what you can do here i guess you know the cross chain decks we talk about here is that it would allow you to get the best price so you're trading Ethereum for USDC, simple, basic, obviously one, but probably not a good example because lots of liquidity, but it would then find the best price you can get, not on just Ethereum, it could look at Arbitrum, it could look at Optimism, Polygon, and it could make that single trade across all those chains to get you the best price. That's kind of the idea of what you could do with the cross-chain decks, isn't it? Oh, yeah. You'd be able to trade everything from any blockchain. And like you said, Simon, like you get it at the correct price. Now, way back, what uh, projects used to do would be, they would, let's say, wrap Ethereum and put it on Binance Change, for example, just so that you could trade BNB with Ethereum. But now as cross-chain, as cross-chain exchanges become more prominent, you don't need to wrap anything. Why would you need to move Ethereum to BNB? Whereas really all you need is to trade them. So in this case, uh, your cross-chain DAP can look at the price of Ethereum. It could be an automated market maker that actually straddles both blockchains precisely because the communication is so easy that there's no need to wrap anything. And so the exchanges would actually just be with native tokens. Uh, if I wanted to buy BNB from my Ethereum, for my Ethereum, uh, I just need to create a an address to receive BNB from and send my Ethereum to somebody who wants to receive uh, Ethereum in exchange for BNB. And the math is all done on analog one in this case, I guess, and everybody gets what they want without needing to wrap anything or bridge anything, which has its own security issues. Yeah, I think we need to hit home that point there to a degree. If you can remove the need to wrap a token on another blockchain, that's a huge risk 
taken away because the wrap token, if you wrap Ethereum, put it on the Binance Smart Chain, that's an IOU on Ethereum because if there's a hack on the bridge, then you know the Ethereum that's on the Ethereum network is the real Ethereum and that's the one of value. The wrapped one is a derivative, it's an IOU. So removing that risk is a huge thing for the space. I think it'd make people a lot more comfortable with moving between blockchains, which is what we want. We want to be easier to move between blockchains. Mm. And it also underscores the need for this communications to be happening. The reason that we've been bridging tokens and wrapping them and trying to force them into another chain is that, I mean, there are people on that chain who do need to interact with this other token that's on this other chain somehow, and usually it's through a trade. Uh, and it does. So the, the whole point is that we've gone through all of this effort. We've taken all of these risks. There's probably hundreds of millions, if not billions of wrapped tokens or tokens sitting in bridges. And these aren't perfect solutions, but it's just show that the need is there for these different tokens to interact with each other. It might be even through loans or providing collateral. You might, let's say you might want to provide collateral on Ethereum with, let's say ETH, but then get your loan from, again, Binance with BNB. That should, that should be possible without needing for you to wrap your ETH, bridge it over to Binance chain, and then put it in that contract. That's just too hard. Uh, if we can get the communications to work properly, uh, in this case with the analog one, and with the proof of time showing, yes, uh, you deposited your tokens in this smart contract on Ethereum, I can see it, it's here. Then analog one says to Binance change it, those tokens are completely safe. Uh, you need to release, you can release these tokens now. And that should happen seamlessly without a need to wrap anything. Yeah, that's what I really like about this is that, you know, there's a, there's a real problem here. I mean, I guess a lot of people don't know the problem unless they've been, you know, in a bridge hack or something like that. Then they know there's a problem here, but there's a real problem and it's a real solution, which hopefully can, you know, help make this easy for people. But what are the risks? What's what's the risks and dangers with using Analog One? Well, there's always smart contract risks. You can never really tell what's going to happen unless the project has been out in the wild for a long time. But then... The other risk that is there, of course, is that uh, somebody might be able to, let's say, get into the uh, the proof of time blockchain and somehow mess with uh, a transaction, a really critical transaction, and that could cause a uh, you know a chain reaction somewhere else down the line that uh, causes somebody to lose their money. But I would say that risk is very low because uh, analog one is a blockchain in itself, and as long as there's enough staked on Amalog one to secure it, it should be safe. I guess the other risk would be from a developer's point of view is that, well, this is a new project. Should you build there? It looks really interesting. But then a developer needs to think, well, what is the longevity of this project? If I build today and I spend enough money building today, is this thing going to be here next year? And so that is something that Analog one has to prove itself by attracting enough developers. Because once you see enough developers flock into somewhere, they immediately start to attract more and that becomes its own animal and it becomes its own animal and sort of like gives life. And once you've got developers, you've got the users, you've got an ecosystem. That's pretty much what happened to Ethereum. They're really amazing at attracting developers. So Analog One needs to be as good at attracting developers, but in this case, people who want to build multi-chain dApps and it's high time that we got there. 
Yeah, it's that, it's that Lindy effect, isn't it? Like the, the more time it's been in existence, the more robust it is, the more people start to use it over time. So mm. it has to get to that point, but it's got some competition as we've talked about before. So let's move on to tokenomics, my favorite thing about lots of these projects. Um, I like this tokenomics perspective because the token itself, it's a, is it analog? I can't remember what the token's called. Um, mm. It's feed generated because you need to use analog in order to process transactions. So that's great. It's fee producing token. It's also a DAO. Everything's a DAO, but this is actually a DAO with another function, which is really great. Um, and I was looking, we've been looking at always where the tokens are going to. So about 45% of it has kind of gone to the private sales VCs and the team, which is kind of normal. It's actually, it's probably on the, the normal part of new projects these days. Uh, and then the rest is tre treasuries, small amount of public sale and a large amount for community, which is for incentivization for people to use the network, which is always pretty good because you need that incentivization to get people onto it. So from a tokenomics perspective, it's actually pretty good, I think. I think it's pretty reasonable what the teams are getting. The only other risk, I guess, is that because there is a large amount of VC money in this, when their tokens get unlocked, there will be sell pressure because obviously they want to get return on their investment. So that's something to look out for, but you've got to look out for that with all new tokens, really all new projects. Mm -hmm. There's going to be sell pressure from VCs who will fund it. Any, any thoughts on the tokenomics? Oh yeah, I totally agree with you. The distribution seems to be very fair. And then on top of that, it like you said, it's fee generating. But my personal favorite is that it's also a token that needs to be staked. Uh, I think we hadn't mentioned this before, but how the secure analog ones blockchain is through staking, and that makes it an economic sink. And that means there's a reason to actually hold a token, which means that you'll you'll earn money by holding it. So that makes it pretty attractive for me as well. And my personal thesis is that. We've already gone through different blockchains trying to be the best blockchain out there. And it looks like we are heading into a multi-blockchain space. And these projects that are competing to create the connection between blockchains, the ones that manage to make it super easy, I think I, I, I think they're, they're winners. That's what I think. And I think it's definitely a space to watch. Are we calling a, a layer zero war? I haven't heard that from anyone yet. Maybe we're, we're calling for a layer zero war coming up. I think we're calling it, Simon. It's it's happening. <laughs> <laughs> All right. All right. Let's let that down. That was called by Will and Simon from podcast, The Layer Zero War. Well, it could be. You never know, mate. Um, I think that's it. Let's let's wrap it up there, mate. But Analog One, another Layer Zero. Pretty interesting project. Pretty interesting tokenomics. And I think it just needs that time and space for developers to start using it. It needs time in the market. It needs to start getting used to be something that's really interesting but it's definitely what I'll be watching mm, indeed Simon it's definitely something worth watching and it's a project that I'm really excited at awesome thanks Will thank you Simon until next time <laughs>